You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. Today I have the privilege, big honor of having the whole Chaining Zero, a new musical creative team over with me today. Um, I will let each of you introduce yourself after, but with me today I have Griffin Parson, Justin Halpin, Jeffrey James, and John Morrow. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming over. Um, I found your musical over Instagram last year, and since then I have been obsessed with it. Um, your digital marketing strategy of releasing songs over social media, I think it was really powerful. Uh, it was a really powerful way to show people uh, your work. So congratulations on that, and I will let each of you introduce yourself. So who wants to start? Well, I'll start, uh, because why not? I'm Jeffrey James. I am one half of the composer team. I am Justin Halpin. I am the other half of the composer team. Uh, and I'm Griffin. I'm, okay. I'm Griffin. Um, I'm part of, I wrote the book um, with John. Who will introduce himself next, I guess? Uh, yeah, same. I'm John Moaro. Uh, I am a co book writer on Shaming Zero. Awesome. Um, I want to ask you how, the, the, the first question I have is, how did the four of you found each other for this project? So my, um, my then girlfriend, now wife, is kind of the connection for all of us. Erin um, Coors, um, she went to school with these two guys and, and moved to New York and kind of got started. These two guys being uh, Griffin and John. Oh, sorry. Yes, Griffin and John. Yeah, yeah. Um, got started in the business with them, and she was an actress in New York and touring for 10 years. Um, and one night, we were all having drinks in Manhattan somewhere. I don't even remember. We should know the bar, but I don't remember what bar it was. We do know, don't we? Do we know? Yeah, I know where it is. I, I can tell you the name. I can picture I can it. Tell you. it okay. We were having we were having a blast, and while Griffin finds the name, um, and we kind of just were talking about, you know, I was doing a lot of um, other writing, pop writing, and, and which I've been doing for ten years now in Nashville, and and we were like, we should do a musical, and I was like, I would love to. Would that be crazy? And. Uh, before, you know, a few years later, all of a sudden, we've got, like, <laughs> ideas flying around, and... Yeah, what, not... what happened for me was I didn't take it as it being crazy. I was like, yes. oh, he wants to write a musical, so I went back, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is real. Like, I'm going to start writing a musical. So I was like, Griffin, we should get together, and we're going to write a musical. And so Griffin and I... Um, Yeah, we just got together. We can, I can tell you the rest of the history of how it all started if you want to, if that's what you're looking for right now. To add to that real quick before, this is Jeffrey. Uh, I wasn't at that dinner because I was oh, yes. not in the friend group yet other than I've known, I, at this point I had known Justin for about 10 years writing together and, and 
living together for a bit in Nashville. Um, and I was brought in once it became a thing that they were actually going to do the show because Justin has known for a while that I'm a, I was, even though I've been a pop writer for X amount of years now, he knows I've, I've been a not so secret uh, theater junkie and was like, he, he hinted at it for a second that they were going to do this and kind of offhandedly was like, oh man, and maybe I'll, like, I don't know if it's happened, maybe I'll bring you in. In the back of my head, I was like, oh, I got to convince him to let this was like bucket list yeah. for me. So he was, I, he was always my guy because he he would make references that I didn't know yet because I was just kind of getting into it and and it was like he was always my guy. It was always going to be the two of us on the music side. So sorry, back. To, I interrupted you, Jen. Don't, don't worry, um, because I know that one way or another, you the four of you have been involved in theater or in in songwriting one way or another. Um, I know that John has been. Um, of Broadway and of Broadway and West End, and the rest of you have either been writing for musicals or for pop stars. Uh, so I, I think that it's amazing how life takes a round corner and projects like this come to life. Um, now, how did this start it? Like, you, you got together one night and you said, let's do a musical, and then what came next? Yeah, so I went home, and I was like, um, so we're writing a musical. I called Griffin, and I was like, we have to get together, and we have to start writing this musical. Um, so we, got, we started having weekly meetings in a coffee shop, and our original idea was just to come up with characters that we thought would be interesting lead characters in a musical. So we made a list of like 40 some characters. And so then from there, we decided we just wanted to narrow it down to the characters we loved the most. So we narrowed it down to a group of eight people and we were like, oh, we just can't pick which character we love the most. What if we created a story that had all of those characters interacting with each other? And how interesting could it be to have all these different people from different walks of life going through an experience with each other? We also knew that we wanted to have the ending of the show be very ambiguous. And we also knew that we wanted the musical to be a whacked 90 minutes. Um, we also knew nothing about music and neither of us had ever written so it was really just a passion project at first and we were just kind of having fun and then one day we sort of looked at each other and we were like this is actually a really cool idea that hasn't been told before and there might be potential here and then that's when we reached out to Justin and we proposed the idea to him initially Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll throw in like when John and I were meeting, like, you know, I had been in the theater business. I kind of got out. I'm now in marketing and have a great career there, but missed theater and missed, you know, being creative. So John really like made me excited about this project after us drinking. Like, I didn't think it was serious. And John was like, no, it's real. Um, so I think us kind of putting out, we had like characters and like John said, and different story ideas as well that, we thought were important that came from like our lives, like, um, you know, like being gay or like, you know, uh, other issues that are kind of prevalent in America right now. Um, 
hopefully things are turning around, but you know, there's a, there are like a few years that were pretty bleak in America and we wanted to really tell a story around different people like John said, all walks of life and I'm coming together. So it was our idea to kind of just merge those, and I guess, eight ish people together. And then we start kind of crafting this story. That sounds awesome. Uh, let's dive a bit more into what the musical is about and what the story covers. Yeah, John, you want to take that? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, we wanted to bring different people from different walks of life. And for the specific musical, we wanted to have them... Um, be sort of forced into each other's lives and then have to use each other and rely on each other to sort of survive the circumstances that they were in. In this instance, we have them trapped on a subway, not trapped, but stopped on a subway. So they're on the same train car the entire show. And through the situations that happen and the different relationships that happen and the different mental states of people that are there through their anxiety, their stress, their discomfort, their um, impatience, they end up relating to each other in a way that they weren't really expecting to happen. So the musical is based on human connection, not judging a book by its cover, and how we can tell stories that have yet to had a life on the Broadway stage. I, I'm intrigued by that. Like, I, I need to see that. I mean, I need to see that on stage. Um, because I... I so do we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because creating multiple stories into one single, like, story frame is something that just blows up my mind. Um, so the idea of having different characters that we may not only know who is the main or who's the secondary character, but they each have an important role in the story is just mind-blowing for me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask for each of you, which is your favorite character in the story? Oh, wow. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, uh, Cami, who is a um, uh, makeup tutorialist and social media influencer. Um, many reasons, most because I her song. She has a song called "Like" that is like one of my favorite songs from the show. It's just one of the more fun things we've done. I think. Guys. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting, Martin, you said something like, you don't really know who the main character is, and you're not sure who the secondary character is. Yeah. I think I've had probably eight different answers of who the show is about, um, and I don't even want to say, but I think that's part of the beauty of our show, is that you kind of pick who you think is the main character, who you relate to the most. You're going to follow their track, and maybe you'll see the second time follow a different track, and that's a different like lead character in your mind. I think for me, for some reason, I have a real connection to Jen. I think, um, so she's a um, ex-ballet dancer who got into a bad relationship and is starting anew in New York City. This is her first, she just got off you know, a train or a plane or a bus and now is on the subway on her way to the city. Um, she's a real growth 
arc in the show and I really enjoy seeing her find her voice and kind of develop throughout the show. Yeah, for me, I'm just piggybacking off of what Griffin said. Um, it's tough because for me, I, um, professionally, I was um, in the ensemble of hair on Broadway, like you said, um, on tour, off Broadway, uh, in the West End. So I had this experience with this cast, like this ensemble cast, and I see this show as that as well. Like, I don't necessarily see one person being the lead, but I see this being a group of people that are important because of the people that are around them. Very Rent, but I'm not comparing it to Rent. You know, very... Her heresy, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like very that where it's like you have this group of people that like is surviving their characters are surviving based on their relationships with each other um i have to say right now well always i'm the most critical of the book obviously um and i'm always going in and really diving into who these characters are deeper and deeper and deeper sometimes to my own fault i need to be like stop Cammy is probably also my favorite character right now. <laughs> I, I find, and as I was writing her, Griffin and I were finding her and we were hearing her inside my, my head speak. I empathize and sympathize with her. And she's telling a very modern story with her relationship with social media and how that can be good, but how it also has a very dark side to it. So for me right now, she's my favorite. Uh, I, I kind of look, like John looks at everything through the, the lens of the book, I kind of look at it through who is the, um, who's the most fun or intriguing person to write songs with or about or for, how I look at it. And I just think there, Cody is, is fascinating because he's going through so much oh they're all kind of going through a lot but a lot of their stories come to light or, or a lot of their trouble is sparked by what's happening on the train whereas cody i mean this guy is dealing with so much stuff before he ever even gets to this train and then in some ways on the train he almost elevates himself and is trying to do something for everybody else when he's going through so much so it's like from a complexity there's so much to sift through and to dig into you know, sink your teeth into as a songwriter, which I love. There, you, I mean, we have to pull back the reins sometimes. Where we're like, should we just do an entire musical about Cody? Because there's there's so much there, and I love writing for that character. He's awesome. Which case in point, Cody? One of Cody's big songs is uh, "Capable of" that Stephen Christopher Anthony is singing in the in the video. Right, right. Yeah. Which was which was one of the latest additions to the show. Actually, we, we we knew we needed something because we all kind of felt this way about Cody, and we were like, man. If you're going to have somebody who's going to sing a song that's really going to not completely encapsulate what the entire ensemble is going through, but can certainly speak to it for each person, that was a song, and he had to be the guy. We were like, "Let's." Would we, I love I love the process of writing that song. Yeah, it's funny because I'd say Cammy and Cody are probably the two characters that John and I have kind of started with. I think Cody was, hmm. you know, a big inspiration. Like Justin just said there's a whole show I can imagine around Cody and Cody's story. And like, we had thought that. So I think that's interesting. And 
that's who kind of people are relating to the most. I like that a lot. Well, let me tell you that not knowing the whole story and the whole songs about the, the, the musical Capable Of is one of my favorite songs so far. Like, um, what, what all of you were saying about relating to the someone else's experience. I felt that through the lyrics and the music of that song. I mean, I, I just find it really powerful and, and it has, it has a really deep backstory to it. And I feel, I, I can relate to it because we, we've all felt unvaluable and maybe a bit worthless. And this song, I found it as an empowerment anthem. Um, so yeah, I, I really love it. That, that song and That's they awesome. will remember is just like mind-blowing to me. <laughs> um, Thank you very much. And yeah, so in terms of music, how would you describe the musical and its sound to someone that hasn't heard it before? Mm. I mean, uh, I'll just answer too. I, I do feel we, we went in knowing that we wanted to make it you know, to not stray from what we do, which is pop music. So it's very much a pop musical. Um, I would I would like to think our influences are very much set in more classic Broadway. We did our we've done our, our research on the Jason Robert Browns and the Stephen Schwartzes and uh, you know the Duncan Sheiks that that kind of led the way to us to be able to do more pop music. Um, but it's very much that and you can tell from that people of songs specifically that like we're very uh, almost like stadium. It's like a stadium song, you know, uh, but set within like lyrical, lyrical, lyrically a story. Um, so that's what, how I would describe it. Yeah, I think some of the new, the, the musicals that have kind of, you know, broken the mold, whatever mold there was left, you know, in the last several years with obviously Hamilton, but then uh, the stuff Patrick and Paul have done with Jeremy Hansen and, mm -hmm. and Creative Showman and all that stuff um, almost kind of gave us creative license to take some, some some chances that we may not have otherwise. So Jared Hansen was really kind of, he was actually on Broadway when we were together and then for that very first meeting because other Broadway was always, musical theater was always a very intimidating genre for me because I always saw these virtuosic piano players and just these, these guys who I just saw as like incredible artists in their own right. So, and I'm, I'm much more of a lyricist and with some musicianship kind of built in around it. And I write pop music, but I was like, this music, I know this language. I know what these guys are doing and this speaks to me. And I love this version of storytelling. So I'm going to like, let's do this. So I would say that style of like, yes, it's pop music, but it's narrative and every word means something and there's no, there's no fat. So that is what we're trying to do. And if what feels natural to us. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh, because... <laughs> For my college thesis, I wrote a musical film and trying to write lyrics that have a story, damn, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a musical theater geek and it, it kept being an obstacle to tell a story without being that literal through lyrics of a song. So I think that that 
musical theater lyricists and, and writers step up the game on writing. Um, I want to know a, a little bit about that book writing and music composition process. How did it work with the four of you? John, you want to start with that? Or Griffin? <laughs> sure, one. yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we, we came up with our storyline. We um, came up with some scenes and we knew um, the direction of where we wanted the show to go. The, the way it was all working out was we had the ending figured out pretty much from the very beginning of Griffin and I and, and um, my meeting. Um, what we didn't know is how were we going to um, build the bridge from the beginning where we knew where they were starting and how they're getting to the end. Um, and through that process, we looped in um, Elena Rader, who's also on the show as listed as um, additional book by. Um, and she helped um, help us with structure, helped us build the bridge to get to where we were trying to go. Once we got the, the bridge built, the book sort of started flowing out pretty quickly. Once we saw how to get there, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and then we had um, our first New York reading of the show. And we learned a lot from there. I yeah. keep going, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I was going to go back even further because I feel like Martine might, like, might want to know about like how we actually like wrote. Like John and I would like meet up and like write, and John would write stuff. I would kind of go back and edit. We kind of go back and forth. Elena would help in there here, here and there as well. And then I don't know the first time we kind of showed the book to Justin and Jeffrey, but I think you know they took some of our words and like you said we're not John and I aren't songwriters so like we could help suggest lyrics but Justin and Jeffrey would kind of take some of our words and then make a whole story out of it in the song so like it, it was very um, collaborative and like we had a Google Doc and we would share you know constantly different things they would you know create a song and volley it back and we would kind of see where it fit um, or say like oh a song should go here it should go here. Um, So it was very like a collaborative back and forth. And it took us a long time. I mean, two, two year, a year and a half. We've only yeah. been in the same city during this process for like no more than maybe two total weeks over the course of the last yeah. year. Yeah. That's, at, that, at that point, um, to, to your point, uh, Griffin, actually, um, I remember the first thing I got was an outline you guys had made with, okay. with moments of the show, kind of little paragraphs about like, here's what's happening here. And then what helped Justin and I, having never written musical theater before, um, was that you guys had possible titles for songs listed. This is a song, this is a song. So that was a great jumping off point for us, for like uh, the opening, how do we get here? We actually both came in with a melody for that line that was very, very similar. It was really weird. Justin and I already were on the same page about like, the how do we get here, which ended up being, we were basically had already written that melody individually, just having read the lyric. So it was, you guys were very prescriptive about what the song titles were, which kind of guided us to what the songs need to be. Um, yeah. And then I actually hadn't met the book writers until our first reading, to the point where we were writing back right. for a year and a half. We idly talked to them over the phone. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It, 
it helped a lot the ensemble nature of the show in the fact that it's a certain amount of the storytelling is siloed from one another. So so we were able to like okay, let's dive into some backstory with this character. And the connective tissue in the show was something that we didn't have to worry about until, you know, later, which we then really dove in on, especially around the 29-hour reading, which I think was our third or fourth reading in the process. Um, and that's really when we kind of started diving in and being like, okay, where where are these recurring themes that need to come back? Where, you know, different callbacks and things like that. But we, we were able to just like, okay, this is a person who I am learning and they're going through something. Let's write a song about what this person is going through in this moment. Yeah, a bunch and, of individual character songs. Right, yeah. which was hugely helpful for us to kind of get our feet wet. And then we really kind of picked up steam from there. Yeah, I wanted to say, say really fast, when I said the first New York reading, I meant our first Nashville reading, which was when we all met oh, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where, we're we're no, that's where I was leading up to. No, that's where I was leading up to. Jumping so far ahead. I was yeah, like, oh, right. I see why everybody looked at me like, well, let's go June. back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our first, uh, that's when we ended up getting into Nashville. And that was the first thing that we that we had. Um, we just had a really light script. We could tell that it was, wasn't any more than an hour long, maybe 50 minutes long. Um, we just wanted to hear it out loud because when you're reading the the book on a page it's so different everybody can read something so different until you hear it out loud and then there were so many moments i think that entire time i sat in the corner just like cringed in a ball because oh, i was yeah. like oh my god this is not good what the hell am i thinking so but wait but you need to have those moments to be able to um to be able to take the next step forward so and lines that we felt like we're gonna bring the house down like comedy or like oh people are gonna cry here completely opposite of what happened hearing it out loud like having an actor bring life to it where we're like oh my god like we have to change this whole character we have to it was so eye-opening but that was what was wonderful about it right yeah we needed it oh that's what i mean like it it was just great yeah I think we had like a five-hour meeting after that of like our individual <laughs> notes about what needs to change, what was terrible, what was good. But the, the good was like got, a small end. Yeah. And then we got really drunk. Yes. <laughs> Very much. Yes. yes. So biggest after lesson from that reading, because you you, you your your comedy moments or your um, tragedy moments turned the other way around. So, which were the biggest lessons from that big national reading? Um, I do remember, Griffin, you saying, and I think we all agreed, at that point we didn't know who Cody was. Cody felt like... That's what I was going to bring up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, 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 you're right. I I think, you know, the the relationship between Cody and... um, Oh, my God. Christine? Cody Cody and Chris is, you know, I've always thought Chris was more hashed out than Cody was. And, like, she felt, her story felt more real. And he always kind of felt accusatory. And when it came out in the the reading, it was just, like, he kind of sounded like an asshole. Like, there was no really redeeming quality about him. And, like, we really... He definitely was, like, on his high horse the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still... I think... I think John and I, during the pandemic, we went kind of through each character. And I think we've gotten to a better place with him. But he's one that, like... 
there was a point after that video where I was like, they should be one character, combine them, cut one of them, and everybody was like, whoa, 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 like, I think that's a little crazy, don't go there, but, like, he's the one that I think we really wanted to change after that first read. That, that's, a, that's an interesting thing, I think, for all of the characters, is that they, we think they're one person, and then when you start to hear the dialogue and the songs that they sing, they actually show themselves sometimes to be someone else, and you can either go and chop and chop and try to make that character who you intended them to be, or you could follow them down that road and be like, okay, that's interesting. Let's kind of cater some of the dialogue. Let's, let's, let's follow this and see where it goes. And we did a little bit of both, I think, throughout the course of, of creating the show, which is cool. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from Nashville was stop trying to write characters and just write people. Mm. I think I was trying to add too many... Um, like um like cammy i had saying like all the time like she was almost like a valley girl and i remember being the girl who read that part um her name is Brittany price she said it feels so forced like it just feels like there's too many likes she doesn't feel like a valley girl she doesn't feel real but if you took all of those away i feel like there's something there um so I think, yeah, just making them more real people. That was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that actually reminds me, John, too. Something that also we really tried to focus on was kind of writing with Showtime kids. Like, we're all white men. Like, it's difficult for us to write a person of color because we don't come from that perspective. So something that we really asked the actors that day was, like, how do you feel about this language? And we really took their feedback to heart and kind of really went back and tried to make those characters feel more authentic from our actors that brought them life. Yeah, then we also get feedback about, you know, I like to joke, one, that I am the, the resident young person in this group, and I'm 34 now. Uh, but there were some younger people in the cast, and they, they speaking to the language, they really helped us. We're like, hey, this isn't what we say anymore. <laughs> so there's a couple learning curves like that. They're like, oh, okay, we are we are old, old people now. For sure. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's still those moments in the show. They need to <laughs> also be worked out because we're not speaking what the youth are speaking these days. It's a living document. It will continue to be updated. It's, it's, it's like the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> One last question before um, like we go to the next section. I have planned. Um, and it is, how do you think that the pandemic changed your point of view towards your work? Mm. I mean, I, I can say it changed the collaborative process uh, enormously. And that's in all of the music that I'm working on. It's, uh, you know, I think the most collaborative creative experience there is, and certainly that I've ever worked on is theater. And you have a lot more cooks in the kitchen and they all need to be a lot closer and on the same page, which is already difficult. And then taking the ability to be in the same room and to kind of breathe the same creative air completely off the table makes it, I mean, that just makes it really difficult. So it helped us, I think, a little bit that we were already kind of working that way. Um, yeah. So we were able to kind of keep doing what we were doing, but it's just in general, not even just with this show, but other projects I work on. I mean, it's, I miss being in the same space with people because there's things that happen by accident that end up being 
the purpose. And it's when the accidents become the reason. But that's that's the stuff you miss because you just can't pick up on that doing this. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I think right when the pandemic started, we were two weeks out of doing a week-long workshop at Marymount Manhattan over their spring break. And it got canceled because of the pandemic. So I think after we all got over the shock of what was going on, we regrouped and we thought to ourselves, what can we do to pivot? And the only thing that we can do now is something virtual. So how can we use the songs from the show and get them out there so that we can keep moving. Um, I luckily had a plethora of unemployed Broadway actors um, that had nothing to do and they were willing um, to to give their time and their talents to our project um, free of charge. So thank you. Shout out to all of them. Um, and yeah, we made these, um, chain zero sessions just to sort of pivot so that we had something going on during the pandemic, but it's been tough. Justin's right. It's live theater is that for a reason. And we've been, um, fortunate to have already been working remotely. So it really didn't change us as, as a creative team, but, uh, yeah, we're doing we, we just got stopped from being able to do anything. To that, though, John, you, you've been great about, um, you know, every now, every, I feel like every couple months you check in with Justin and I was like, hey, Griffin and I were talking, we were learning about this. And honestly, because of that, we've, since the 29-hour reading, I feel like we've written double the songs with, with new reprisals that there were in there because you guys just keep having little ideas and us seeing people perform those songs in the videos we made were also like, oh, this is interesting. Okay, so kind of like just little moments to keep the show growing. It's great. And just yeah. FYI, sorry, Griffin, um, that, that, that time is about to come round the bend again, Jeffrey, so... Oh, Lord. <laughs> but I, yeah, to piggyback on what Jeff said, like, John's, I, you know, I think... Jeffrey and Justin, you can talk to, but like John's really the one that's kind of brought us all together. I think he's the one that constantly has a through line. Like, you know, I have another job and you know, everybody does, but like John's really good about like, he knows me really well too, because we're, you know, best friends, but he knows when to bring me in, when we need to communicate, what we need to talk about, what characters we have to do. And then he's a really good foil to talk to the music boys, which is we call call Justin and Jeffrey. (laughs) And he's really good at, like coordinating all that and making us feel excited about it and keep it moving forward. So I've been really grateful to have John on the team because he's really been that driving force, I think, of our show. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Tear. <laughs> <laughs> you've had several readings. You've done a lot of changes. Now, where, what is in the future of Chaining Zero? Where is this project headed? Because hopefully Broadway, but we don't know when that will be back. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. off the God's ears. Yeah. No, please. You know, we at, at the beginning of the pandemic, John said we we had this 
um, opportunity at Marymount, Marymount Manhattan, as well as a couple others that all kind of fell through because of the pandemic and no one's really scheduling anything for live anytime soon anyway. Um, but at that point, we kind of started to apply to different festivals. Um, some, you know, great that got postponed that they were interested in some, you know, there's a lot of, um, people just out there to take advantage of people. And there were a couple of festivals that we got accepted to that didn't feel right for our show. So we passed on them. But I think we have a lot of irons in the fire um, of future possibilities. Um, we have a lot of people, John and I have been sending, I don't know if Justin and Jeffrey know this, but we've been sending out our script just people to read, uh, to give us some feedback. And that's gotten a lot of interest as well. So, um, I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but I feel like there are things kind of perhaps coming down the pipeline. But again, we don't know when live theaters need to come back. Like, I, we'd love to do something digital. I just don't know how our show would translate to that, but maybe that's a challenge that we can rise to and, and find some solution. But um, Yeah, but to your point, I think we're all confident that, like, as things are picking back up, we all have, like you said, enough irons in the fire that, like, it, it'll be, whether it's just a week at a, what, just, like, a week workshop at a college. There's a couple colleges that, are, that have options. We know that'll be, it's, it's always, with, with any kind of theater show, it's going to be this step, then this step, and this step, so that seven years down the line, you're Hamilton, and you're the best musical yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. People seem to re be responding to the content. Like, people really find connections in the music and the book and the characters, and they're really, I think people are really interested by it because it's very different. And that's what we wanted to do. We didn't want another jukebox musical, which are fine, but we wanted original content. And I think people are really thirsting for that right now. And yeah, as, for, as you said, for real people as characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What were you gonna say, John? I was gonna say, I think that the future does seem to, just because of pandemic life uh, seems like there could be some sort of virtual something that's in our future. Um, and I think that like the boys uh, all said, um, we need to do another workshop. We need to just figure out a few things on its feet. We need to just see if a few of the pieces are working because where we are now, it still feels very developmental, but the show is pretty solid with where it needs to go. It just needs the opportunity to get actors on its feet. We, um, Like we said, we did the Nashville reading. Then we did a New York reading. So that was just people sitting at chairs with music stands, um, reading the lines, singing the songs. And then we did a 29-hour reading. But um, for those of you that don't know, a 29-hour reading is no choreography, no staging, no blocking. It's just sitting at chairs, sitting at music stands, so we did that um, as well, and that's helped us take the next step forward. So I think us being able to get it on its feet, allow it to have a world premiere somewhere um, in a smaller venue to try and generate some word of mouth, and from there... Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, Broadway. From there, dot, dot, dot. Sure. Yes. Take over the world. 
And hopefully it will be like that. I know it will. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you. You've released songs on Instagram. And I'm dying to know, will we get a cast recording from this? We hope so. We love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a interesting, our demos right now, Justin and I were lucky enough that we, living and living working in Nashville, we write and record stuff every day. So we actually brought in, man, a, a full cast of all our friends to make our the original demos of it. So there is a cast recording of the demos that were made. Um, we'd love to have like solidified characters, you know, like Broadway professionals do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love the process. I would love the opportunity get in a studio as you know to just and just have a blast recording these songs and let these characters really kind of dig in you know instead of just being a session where they show up for a couple of hours and learn the lines and the parts but like have people of that level the broadway level talent which are people my friends in nashville are going to kill me but they're the most talented people i've ever worked with in my life 100 and we just need um some investment to pay for that yes investors. yes 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 we need. yes <laughs> we need some investors but you know so does everybody else shows on broadway are closing because yeah yeah, money, so yeah. Like, everybody's listening and wants to get this money <laughs> um yeah martine i um at full disclosure as well um we like i said we're still very developmental we um You need money to be able to make these things grow. Um, you need a lot of money to make them grow fast. And we don't even fully have all of the songs scored still to this, you know, to this day. The Everything is still sort of changing. You know, everything is still um, ebb and flowing. And like, like I said, I think until we get it on its feet and we're able to see what works, then we can finally solidify what we can put down on paper and make it like, okay, this is official. This isn't changing. This is how it's going to be. Awesome. Um, well, I'm excited and I hope, I really, really wish you the best with this project. Um, because with, with the few things you've shown to the world on social media, I do think you're you're doing things that are impacting people one way or another and they're touching people and relating with them. Um, so I, I really wish that this project ends up with a production, like a full stage production uh, in the near future. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, we're, yeah. we're confident and we, we appreciate people like you wanting to help get the word out. Absolutely. Thank you. I have yeah, people can listen. Oh, everybody no. can access the SoundCloud, right, Justin and Jeffrey? Like, if people wanted to listen to it. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the videos are on YouTube as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But if you want to, like, just listen to the score in order, um, most of it's there on SoundCloud. So. Awesome. I'll be sure to link that on the, the episode's description. Um, where can people find more about each one of you? On the, uh, all the social medias, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Training Zero has an Instagram and a YouTube and a, a Facebook page. Um, I'm, I, I have music out there under Jeffrey James. So if you go on the Spotify or Apple Music, I have a bunch of uh, uh, albums that I've toured on and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, same. I mean, I have, obviously, my social media connected to my name, Justin Halpin, but um, I'm also one half of a band called Unions. Um, we do a lot of stuff uh, in film and television and scoring. and um, We've always got projects going on, but uh, yeah, 
Oh, just all the typical YouTube, uh, Instagram places. Yeah, and I think the same for Griffin and I. If you want to reach out to us, um, feel free to go through Chaining Zero on any of our social media platforms. And one last surprise question for each one of you. Five favorite top musical theater shows. No brainer. Oh, man. Go. <laughs> Griffin, you're first. Uh, in no particular order. Legally Blonde. Um, <laughs> a great, really well written show. Great book. Very solid. Um, Assassins. That's my only season, Stephen Sondheim, I'll say. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Anyone else? Air. Anyone else? Just jump in. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Um, good answer. A chorus line always is a good classic. Um, and uh, Lippa is the wild party. Uh, All right. Uh, oh, okay. Go. Into the woods. Titanic. Ragtime. Hair. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Contemporary musical theater. Absolutely. Yeah. Unapologetic. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, the thing we write. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing having you. Thank you for coming over. Uh, and as I said before, I wish you all the luck, all the best, and break legs uh, because I know this musical will get far. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Martin. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It's a pleasure, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.